Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith and how the two come together in lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, time. you covered me. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern flying solo this week. Our special guest in studio, Kristen Ann Ware. She is a former Miami Dolphin cheerleader. Kristen, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate this being put together. And, and our other guest, who is the Associate Professor of Theater, uh, Director Honors Program at Carthage University, he is Neil Sharnick. I got that one. Neil, how you been? I'm great. Thank you. Man, it's really good, it's really good to, uh, good, it's good to meet you. Um, and thank you so much for emailing um, me and, and letting me know about this story and the stuff that you guys are doing uh, down at Carthage. Um, the Handbook is the name of the show uh, that you guys are doing right now, world premiere, and it's telling the stories of several former NFL cheerleaders who have sued their teams for discrimination, harassment, and wage theft. Um, the show's going uh, so far so good, right? Oh, yeah. It's been really great. The audiences have been responsive. The The playwright was there opening night, and... and um and, and had a very positive response. And we've been able to have a number of, of former NFL cheerleaders who've been involved in these lawsuits in attendance at the show. Well, Kristen, um, and I'm getting that, and I will, because it's it's Kristen Ann Ware, and, and you can follow her on Instagram at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-A-N dot Ann, uh, A-N-N. Um, first of all, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Your first initial um, response to the show, the handbook, was what? Tears. <laughs> yeah. That truly was my first response. It was it was just amazing to watch the playback and know like I was one of each of those characters at some point in my career as an NFL cheerleader and watching just their each like their own testimony play through and their different levels of coming to take their blinders off and see what we we're actually going through and what we're facing. Um, I think all NFL cheerleaders should should watch this play. It would bring so much perspective to them. Hey, Neil, what what about this story? And 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 I know that the writer, like you said, was there early um, at, at opening night. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, what about this story caught your attention? And, and and did you think, boy, this would be a great spot um, for us to 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 do the handbook here at Carthage? Yeah, well, I, I wish I could say that uh, it was all my idea. But uh, so Carthage is um, one of the things the theater de- department does that I think really sets us apart is we have a new play initiative. We commission a new play every year, and this is our 11th annual new play commission. So this is the world premiere of this play. And the playwright, Laura Shellhart, she's a Chicago playwright who we uh, who I reached out to. She's actually a former uh, professor of mine. I, I studied with her when I was at Northwestern. And um, and I, we, I, I really liked her work. I knew we wanted to work with her. So I invited her to 
you know, to pitch some ideas to us. And uh, she actually, she pitched a few others first, all of which would have worked well, all of which were interesting, would be great. But um, after she went through those first few ideas, she said, there's there's one other story that I just haven't been able to shake. And uh, that that's, um, I heard this podcast interview with this woman named Bailey Davis, a former New Orleans Saint-Sation, who, um, who sued, was suing the team for gender discrimination uh, because she was fired as a result of a, an Instagram picture she posted that uh, the team didn't approve of. And, um, and it's a policy they were enforcing that does not apply to any males in their organization, right? It's just a policy for the cheerleaders. Um, players uh, can pr- pretty much post what they want, say what they want, do what they want. And, um, and she said, that's not right. And, and um, when Laura heard her story, she started doing the research and finding out about lots of other lawsuits that at this point, a third of the NFL teams with cheerleaders have been sued by their cheerleaders wow. for, for one of these issues. And um, and she said, there's a story here. I don't know what it's going to look like on stage yet, but there's a story that we need to tell. Well, I'll tell you, I, I look in the circles you know, that I run, certainly, uh, Kristen, and you, you're the one that, that we've heard about the most because of um, the, the faith side of it. And when uh, we got the email, uh, Neil sent it, and, and I and I said, "Hey, call me." And then I, I didn't sleep well last night, so I came in the office and I started the, to look into to, to your story. Mm-hmm. I had heard about it, but I didn't feel like I knew anything about you. Mm-hmm. And then some of the words that you wrote in your email about her, I just emailed back to you and said, "I look, I've been listening to this and I've read these stories." And I would love if we could spend a few minutes together on faith in the zone. Um, let's do, in this first segment, if we can, your your upbringing um, and kind of your story on, on on where you were raised and how you then became a Miami Dolphin cheerleader. Wow. Okay. So I was born on Shepherd Air Force Base in Texas, and then I moved every two years, two and a half years after that, because um, my parents were military. And I ended up claiming South Carolina as home because that's where I lived the longest and that's where they're still stationed at. But at the age of three, my mom put me in dance class and she was like, I got to get rid of this kid. She's so hyper. (laughs) Get her away. And um, I started out in ballet and didn't go very well for me. I was too hyperactive. So um, she switched me to hip hop class and I stayed in hip hop class and just had a, a raw talent. But dance was always that constant, no matter where I moved, there was always a place where I could dance. And it was my emotional outlet. You know, I don't know if people understand that. And and I don't think I did either. I do a youth sports show here on, mm-hmm. on 1057 F in the fan. And I'm really pretty well versed in baseball, basketball, football. Mm-hmm. I'm okay in those three. Mm-hmm. And, but you go outside that circle and, and I get a little uncomfortable <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to take that show and I'm going to invite everybody in. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, a dance group come in. I had, first of all, I had no idea the amount of training and, mm-hmm. and time that they spend working and the kind of athletes. The, the You know, when you talk about, well, we have great athletes in our in our program mm-hmm. well, or our school, and nobody utilizes that. Well, the, the, the people in the dance are great mm-hmm. athletes as well. And after that hour of talking to, to, to dancers and to their coaches, I just went to a whole different level of respect Aww. for how much work I appreciate it, it, that. it takes. 
So a- as you continued down that journey, did, mm-hmm. did you dance in high school and did you dance in college? I did. Um, but I was also a basketball player and a softball player. And I got the opportunity um, presented to me to have a scholarship to go to college for any one of those sports. I ended up turning it down. God bless. My coach forgives me. <laughs> but I ended up trying out for the dance team instead. What, at what college? Lander University for my freshman year. And then I transferred to University of South Carolina, the Gamecock. Sure. And I got my degree in marine science. And I don't know what it was, but I was so intimidated to try out for the team. I woke up on audition day and put my makeup on and ended up crying all morning. Okay. Because <laughs> I was just too nervous to try out for the team. So it's interesting. People are like, well, you skipped college and went to the NFL. And I was like, yeah, but not before trying to join the family business. Um I applied to the Coast Guard Academy. My goal was to join the Navy or Coast Guard. And after college, I went to the recruiting office. I was applying to OCS and Officer Candidate School. Sure. And I was going to do that. And I was in that office. And it just dawned on me, as as amazing as it is to serve our country and what that would mean to my heart, I was doing it to get a pat on the back from my father. And it just didn't seem like a good enough reason. Yeah. And so I left the office and I drove to Miami. <laughs> How was your dad with that, if I may ask? Was he okay? Uh, uh, well, you know, I do. I'm thankful that I do have supporting parents. Good. Um, and they're going to support me no matter which direction I go. And as long as, you know, my core values remain the same, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. No, I, I, yeah. I, I agree with that. And and I can tell you that, that being a father myself mm-hmm. and now a grandfather of four, Aww. you know what, we... um. We struggle sometimes, you know, making sure that that we understand what you just said is the path. You know, that's look, if I wanted my daughter or my son to be doing this with their life, but that's not right for them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard for us old guys to be able to accept it. But but look, we we figure out that if they're walking the path that's right for them. As long as we're there to support them and pick them up if they fall and say, you know what, baby, we love you. You're Look, unconditional love and the Lord loves you and you have a good heart for the Lord. You know what? Let's just keep going. Um, well, that's what it is. It's the Lord part because yeah. sometimes parents, they, they overparent, right? And they are the safety net. But in order to truly show a child true faith, the parent must give room and make way for God to do his part too. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. And yeah. and that's a really hard of course, thing for, hard. for, for yeah. us, especially as fathers of mm-hmm. our daughters, because all we need to do is protect. protect. I just want to protect you. You know what? Whatever Whatever's going on in your life, whether I agree with it or not, I can yell at you, but don't let anybody else yell at you, because yeah. guess what? Then they're, they're, they're going to feel the wrath of, and I'm 100% Irish, so you know yeah. what? Be, be careful. Mm-hmm. Be careful with that. Um, before we get to a break, uh, your decision, so you didn't try in college— what was the morning like before you went to try out for the Dolphins? Because if if mm-hmm. the college part, you know, if you got nervous and you said you could put your makeup on and you cried, mm-hmm. how were you the morning of that you were going to try out for the Miami Dolphins? So it was always the, the constant theme of I'm not good enough. You know, I was told I wasn't good enough for an NFL team. I was told I wasn't good enough for the USC team. So um, it was that common denominator, but... Me driving to Miami, it was my first 
moment where I made my own individual decision of what I was going to do. I wasn't following the path of what my parents wanted. This was for me in my life. And this right. is where I felt like I was being led. So it was this sense of, it's not about making the team or putting the pressure on my shoulders to make a team. It was more about, I just broke out of my comfort zone. I'm doing something that is still bigger than me. And I'm going to be proud of myself just for going after it, whether or not I make it. Boy, the Lord had a whole different platform for sure. you. Oh, my goodness, right? Yes. A whole different platform that even when you realize the platform that he has given you, you didn't know the back end of that. Right. And we're going to talk about that, and we'll continue to talk about this show as well. Um, in fact, Neil, do you know the, the handbook, is it just going to be at Carthage for now and then move on, or is there other places people can see it? Um, that, well, that's a great question. The What is known right now is just the run that we've just had of the handbook, a two-weekend run at Carthage. Uh, there is some possibility that, that that this play would continue to the regional American College Theater Festival. Uh, beyond that, uh, where this play will go, who else might pick it up and do it, whether another college or university, whether a professional theater company, um, that's uh, in Laura's hands and in the Lord's hands. Yeah, and, and in fact, Neil, and, and I'm sorry because we're going to ask you one more question before we get to a break. In your professional opinion, yeah. and you've been doing this for a while, right? And and have and have a lot of respect from a lot of people out there. If if somebody were to call you and say, is this a show that we can draw people to come see, what would you tell them? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, I think, and, and it's a great show. It, part of what was so compelling to me before I'd even looked into the stories when Laura pitched this idea was the thought, okay, well, as a, as a professor at a, at a college theater program, I'm always looking for shows that fit our, our student body, right? That, you know, we're not going to just be casting everybody, you know, casting you as grandma, which is a role you'd never play in the real world, you know, sure. because we need someone to play it. So almost all of these characters are 20-something-year-old young women, and we have those at Carthage, right? We And we have talented actors, talented dancers who, who can play these roles. So, uh, so it was a great fit for us, and we know it would be a great fit for a lot of other college programs out there. Hey, I got to tell you real quick, and we'll get to a break. I, I am a big fan of Carthage. And, and I think that it's a hidden gem of a beautiful campus that uh, if, if you're a student athlete, if you're a parent, or if you're just a, a student who is looking for a really cool experience not far from home, right? that just really offers a lot of really good things. Get a nice mix of Wisconsin kids, kids from, from Chicago and Illinois, but all over the world, um, people come yeah. to Carthage. Yeah, that's right. And I um, I grew up in mostly in Grafton. I grew up in southeastern Wisconsin, and I did my undergraduate uh, degree at Carthage. You're, I, I'm you're a Carthage Grafton grad, grad myself. Yeah, Grafton High School grad Look and, uh, and uh, Carthage College grad. So uh, making good, right? Yeah, you. I, I'm a little surprised. Most of you boys are in jail. Look at no, I'm just kidding. Uh, come on now. I'm no. only kidding. I'm a Grafton's been uh, hey, a part of this show. A guy named Tom Roy. Mm -hmm. um, Grafton High School grad, quite a bit older than than me, and certainly you. Um, but he's a Grafton guy who has been a big part of this show. He he pitched for the uh, the San Francisco Giants, and he mm -hmm. and he founded a company called UPI Unpotential um, Unlimited Potential in Christ. Mm -hmm. And he takes former Major League Baseball players all over the world on missionary trips, and they utilize wow. baseball. They they roll out baseball, and these kids come flying, and then they preach. The gospel to him. Wow. It's wonderful. So you boys from Grafton, I'm starting to like you guys. We're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, we've got two guests this week. Um, one, he is Neil uh, Sharnick. He is the Associate Professor of Theater, Director of Honors Program at Carthage University. 
and in from South Carolina and way of Miami. She, I think she likes the, the weather a little bit warmer than it is <laughs> here in Wisconsin. But Kristen Ann Ware is our special guest. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people of sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern again, flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner should be back next week. Our two special in-studio guests. One is Neil Sharnick. He is the Associate Professor of Theater, Director of Honors Program at Carthage University, and Christine Christian Ware. She is a former Miami Dolphin cheerleader. There's so much more to her than that, but that's kind of part of her life that we're going to talk about uh, throughout the rest of the show. Um, if I can, in segment two, and one of the, the best parts about Faith in the Zone, guys, is is we just ask for, for your testimony and and everybody's got a different journey on how they got to where they are with their faith. But but if I can, Christiane, if I can ask you first uh, for your testimony and, and uh, where this became real for you. Oh, goodness. That's a long story. <laughs> That's okay. We, we got all kinds of time. Oh, goodness. That might be segment three also. <laughs> I know. Specific questions. Um, well, goodness, where do I start? I was raised in a Christian home, um, but the ultimate decision— um, to come to the Lord was going to be a journey that only God can provide, you know, no nudge or, um, influence or push from other people was going to, I don't know, change God's plan, you know, like God changes hearts and he's the one with the plan. And so, um, as a cheerleader, I'd always proclaimed, you know, Jesus as Lord, but my second, after my second year leading up to my third year, um, I wanted to make the decision to get baptized, uh, myself. And that's a really long story in itself that I would love to share with people one day. But for now, um, I just, I got baptized and it's an incredible story, part of my testimony. And then I was on my drive back to Miami for my third year interview. And, um, that is where they had found out that I got baptized and then, the interview happened, and that was the reckoning and of of my true faith. So, so, and and I'm sorry, we're going to continue um, on mm-hmm. on your journey, but the fact that um, you know being baptized is, is is a public, hey, look at me, you know what I've I've I have accepted Jesus Christ my personal Savior. That at least where you know I grew up a Catholic, and and you'd be baptized as a baby, and now I understand that that has nothing to do with your salvation. What it exactly. what it is is a you know what I I'm gonna get up on the mountaintop and shout here I am mm-hmm. you know what I've Lord look I don't mind people knowing because this is what I'm doing and that that was an issue then for them it was um, you know I I like to spread the mesh the message of like it's not about being quiet and taking that easy route it's about like mustering up the courage to take the road less traveled and to exchange fickle faith for unashamed faith. And the unashamed faith is the one that you wear on your sleeve and you're not pushing people to God. You're just a walking example and um, you're not perfect. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're going to have the perfect thing to say. 
it means that you are still allowed to say, I don't know that answer. You, you bet. Know? Yeah. And, and I also feel, because this at least part of my testimony, my journey is mm-hmm. I, you know what, I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. And, and, and my wife made it clear, you know what, you need to become the man you can become mm-hmm. um, and, and, and stop. And I think more, at least the first couple of years, more temptation. And it was the devil going, no, no, I don't want to lose you. Hold on, boy, you're a good soldier. You come on back. Look at what I can bring to you. And, you know, once that stuff stopped for me, which was, you know, I praise the Lord for that, you know, it's easy now to come on this show and and, and get behind the microphone and say, hey, look, for you boys I used to hang out with, you know, that many years ago, that's not me anymore. I don't do that, and the Lord's changed me. So that's really interesting. When you got back then for that interview, how difficult was that for you? Did they make it real difficult? Um, They did. But, you know, like I was in that interview room too. So I, I agreed. I was an agreeable woman. I did what I was supposed to do. You were a good soldier. Yeah, I mean, I said yes, ma'am, when I didn't agree. I wasn't speaking up at the time. I was silenced. And um, when they told me that I wasn't allowed to say God and I wasn't allowed to mention Jesus Christ in my social media page and that me waiting for marriage didn't make me a real woman and it was time to develop into the real woman I should be, um, I could have walked out right then and there and said, I'm not putting up with this. Um, but I didn't. I stared myself in the mirror and I said, Kristen, like, we can leave. And I stayed. I became that robot that they programmed me into. I put on my bikini. I let them take pictures of me and um, to see if I was calendar ready. And that was the beginning of me losing pieces of myself as a woman. But that was also the beginning of where God began his work in me. Part of one of the articles that I read about you, you said, "Look, um, I was. I thought who I was was a cheerleader. That's that was my. That was who I was. Mm-hmm. And not until I said, okay, enough. You know what? This is more important. My faith is more important. Did I realize that was just part of what I did mm-hmm. and not who I was? Yeah, that it's it's the identity." Um, and so many women are getting lost in different uniforms and different identities and, and I'm not enough and I'll never be enough as long as I chase the wind and I try to gain this access of fame and these followers and just the status that no matter how much I exhaust myself to the near death experiences that I've had, I will always come up short. I will never be enough until I invite God to come with me. And there was this this moment, you know, where I'm limping off off the field with broken bones. And I hope we talk about that testimony because it's amazing where I am looking back and these, you know, 90,000 fans are roaring for me. They're cheering for me. And it was like, is that the audience that that you're living for? Or is it me? You know, and it was exchanging like my uniform for the this impressive shiny thing to the world and exchanging it for the most impressive thing that I could ever wear, which is, you know, my faith on my sleeve and Jesus Christ in my heart. And that knowing the overcomer was the most important thing to me. Yeah. Audience of one. 
yeah. right? As long as you're playing to the audience of one, I think uh, I think you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Hey, Neil, um, can I ask you as well uh, for for your testimony? And, and again, uh, Neil Neil Sharnick, he is the associate. Uh, prof- he's an associate professor of theater at uh, at Carthage University, and he's a Grafton. Native, so he's a cheesehead. I don't care what he says; he's a cheesehead. Mm-hmm. If we can talk a little bit about your your walk, oh, well, sure. Um, I I too grew up in a Christian home and and knew um, and and knew Christ and had faith in in uh, and placed my faith in Him at a pretty young age. And I come from a, a a really a legacy, a really rich legacy, where both my parents are pastors' kids. My my mom was born in Burma, where her parents were missionaries. Um, my grandpa. Uh, Franklin was uh, head of the missions board for the Baptist General Conference, and and that's that's that side of my family. Uh, and uh, my my dad's dad and and his dad were assemblies ministers, and my great grandfather was wow. a church planner in Wisconsin and Michigan. And uh, so so there's uh, I'm I'm hopefully bringing forward and extending what's a really uh, rich Christian legacy with a mm-hmm. lot to lot to be proud of. Do you know one of the cool things about this show, Neil, and you said you, that you listen to it once in a while, and I appreciate that, is everybody's journey is different. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up um, in, a, in, in a Catholic grade school, high school, where they handed me the Bible and said, carry it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to open it. We'll tell you what's in it. Just mm-hmm. carry it and look good carrying it. When we tell you to carry it, Mr. McGivern, you carry it. And so that was that was what I knew. And there's been guys that come on this show, and one guy made a comment. He said, look, I was, I went through the same experience you did, and I knew Jesus Christ. I knew him the same way I knew Abraham Lincoln. I knew all the stories, but I had no relationship with him. And I just find that to be really interesting. And your story, like Tony Dungy said, look, I was drugged every Sunday. I was drugged to church. You know, and, and, and my mom, she took us Wednesdays. She took us Sundays. But until... I made that that decision on my own, and I know that Kristen had said, "Look, when when she finally said, look, this is my decision. I, I'm, I'm I have to take the path and the journey that's right for the Lord and, and me and the relationship we have." And that's yes. the same for you. Yeah, and I think I think there's a reminder in in Kristen's story that um, that your your journey's your own. Your journey's you and Christ, and and I can imagine as a parent, you're your child deciding, no, I'm going to go be a professional cheerleader and I'm, I'm heading off to Miami, um, that um, that's her journey and her her uh, her faith walk is going to be part of that of that world. And um, and that's that's tough. It's tough to focus on your own journey and your own faith. And um, and uh, and I think it's really important that we. Hey, pastor Ken always says that, look, when you're a, when because his father was a pastor, he says when you're a, a when you're a kid of a pastor, there's normally two places you end up in jail or behind the pulpit. <laughs> right, now right. you haven't, so that's you're in theater. That's yeah, pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Well, I'm the I'm the grand kid of two pastors, but I uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll um, no. And theater is a right. There wasn't a legacy of theater in my family. That that was actually sort of stumbled upon. Actually, when I I did my undergraduate at Carthage, undergraduate degree at Carthage, and um, I was a theater and religion double major there with an economics minor, sort of a 
strange liberal arts concoction. <laughs> what a di- well, I, you're, that's the first I've ever heard yeah, of that. Well, co- that well, let me triple. tell you something. So then I went to Northwestern for my MA, and then my first job after completing my master's degree um, was at Acacia Theater Company here in Milwaukee, a Christian theater company, sure. as their business manager. And you're like, well, what are you going to do with theater, religion, and economics? Well, you're going to be the business manager for a Christian theater company. <laughs> that is uh, so. There's a sh- there's either a stand up joke there, yeah, or there's think, a there's so. a think, there is somebody so. needs to write that story that <laughs> hey thank you for sharing that oh, guys absolutely. i really it's it's my favorite part of this uh of this show because it gets it gives me goosebumps and normally brings me to tears as as both of yours did because it's just you know it's a, it's an emotional thing that when we as adults look back at and some of us are much more adults than others here <laughs> in the room but i envy young people that figure it out at an early age because i did not and i wasted a lot of time and energy you know, doing things I shouldn't be doing rather than doing the things I should be doing. So I envy you guys um, a lot. We're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue our conversation uh, with two really good guests. Uh, Kristen Ann Ware, she is a former Miami Dolphin cheerleader. That's just what she did. And what we're going to talk about, um, and I don't know how far she can get into some of the things that are going on right now, but I know there's lawsuits and there's some things with with that that um, they've become very public not only her, but a number of former NFL cheerleaders. Some of the difficult uh, things that they had to put up with, um, and being on the, just wanting to be part of that team, and being part of the cheerleading group, and be part of the whole organization. That it's just not right. Some of the things that I read and I listened to. Um, so we're going to talk to her about that. We're also talking about a show called The Handbook. World premiere. It's now done. Uh, when this show is airing, it's it's done. It it, it had a two week run, two weekend run at uh, Carthage. But you know what? Um, try to find it. Did you know? Can they go? People go online and watch it. Um, no, not yet. No, that's the, uh, the rights to the play belong to the playwright and um, to, to Laura to yeah. Laura Shellhart. Yep. And and I don't know. I know she certainly hopes for a life beyond this production mm-hmm. for this play, what that's going to look like, where this could get uh, remounted, who else might mount it, what recordings might become available. That's largely in her hands. If it ever happens, would you please let me know? Oh, absolutely. So I can let our, our listeners know that, okay, here's the time that you can go. Mm-hmm. And and uh, sure, certainly that would, yeah, I would love to be able to do that. On the other side of the, side of the break, we'll continue. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brain Balance of Mequon. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 1057 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, again, flying solo this week. My two special in-studio guests, uh, Kristen Ann Ware. She's a former Miami Dolphin cheerleader. And like I've said in the show, there's, there, that's just what she did at one part of her life. So much more than that. Along with uh, Neil Sharnick, he is the Associate uh, Professor of Theater at Carthage University. But more important than that, he is the father of Ollie. <laughs> Ollie, who I found out during the break... 
I, I don't want to get in the batter's box with Ollie, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, you, no, you probably don't. He's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he plays uh, Little League Baseball with Glendale and uh, plays basketball with St. Eugene and with the Junior Knights. He's a really exciting athlete. Hey, Neil, I, I know when, uh, when dads talk about their kids, uh, when pride just seeps through them and mm-hmm. your eyes and, your, and just the way you were ta- telling stories about Oliver, um, you're so proud of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't be more proud. And, and of course, the, the athletics is, is, a, is a piece. And as, as really extraordinary as he is, that's a relatively small piece. He is a great kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a great young man. And, uh, and I couldn't be prouder of him whether or not he could throw a fastball. Who, um, do you guys go to the games all the time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, um, we, we try to miss nothing. It's tough when I'm directing. Like this, this moment of my year every year is tough because he's, uh, he's just wrapped up volleyball and is just starting basketball. And uh, so I missed some volleyball, and I, I just hate missing any time he plays, you know, because, yeah, when you're a middle schooler and you're six feet tall and you're playing volleyball, you, you, you can be a difference maker on your team. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I envy you guys so much because I miss that. I, you it's know, deep best. down in, in my gut when it ended for, you know, my, my daughter played basketball at St. Margaret Mary through eighth grade and then said, hey, I'm done. I, I, I'm glad I never have to do this again. <laughs> my son, Matthew, you know, played a lot, played basketball and played a little baseball and, and played some soccer. And when his college basketball career ended physically, it hurt. So please do me a favor, and I don't have to tell you this, Neil, but take snapshots with your brain and your mind so you can remember all of this stuff because it oh, doesn't yeah. seem like it goes quick. Man, it goes really quick. Oh, I, I'm starting to get a real strong sense of that now, you know, how, how fast this is all going because, um, you know, before long, he's seventh grade now. Before long, we'll be moving from, from these junior leagues to high school and then uh, – High school goes by – like, youth at grade school seems like it takes a long time and then – High school goes like that. Yeah. I, I'm just telling you. I look. I sound like that old guy that used to say that stuff to me, and I understand it because yeah. I used to roll my eyes at those guys. But man, they were right. Hey, Kristen, you played. Um, what you played basketball and softball? I did. Uh, a yeah. better basketball player or a better softball player? Well, I was a pitcher in softball, and I was post in basketball. So. So just so you know, if <laughs> if we go out to the parking lot and, and I I could take you deep, and I would post you up like crazy on the block. I, I would no. Look oh at me. Look man, at, man, it sounds hey, like man. I'm taking my heels off. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something. You, I got a ball and a bat and a glove in my trunk, and you come, you warm up with that windmill pitch thing. And all on. kidding aside, I do a segment for a TV show called Around the Corner with John McGinn. We go to different seg- different uh, communities in, in the state, and I do the sports segment. And we were in a place called Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, and their best their best sport. At that time, at the high school, was uh, was girls soft uh, it was softball. Nice. And um, so I went, and the girls were so excited that I was doing my segment with them. And I mm-hmm. finally said, "Hey, who's the big time pitcher?" Girl raised her hand. I said, "You want you warm up? I'm gonna take you deep, right?" <laughs> and the catcher, who was this cute little bond that was so nice to me, she goes, "Really? No chance. Here we go." And she put the gear on. I got in the batter's box. She said, "Outfield, come in. No hitter. No hitter." I said, "Are you kidding me?" Do you know I never I saw it. the first pitch? I didn't see it. He didn't even see it. No, coming. and I said, I said, man, I said, ball one. And I go, that was outside. And yeah. the catcher goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> so she looked at the coach, and the coach had put two fingers up or one finger, mm-hmm. and she threw a pitch that moved all over the place. 
and I hit it to the second baseman. Oh. And the pitcher was mad. I go, you're mad? She goes, I want you touching my stuff. Oh, I said, hey, I'll go lefty on you. She goes, can you hit lefty? I said, I can hit you lefty because I'm an Irish guy and I talk stupid. <laughs> and I bunted down the third baseline. Oh. And the third baseman burst out laughing. I go, what are you laughing at? She goes, I would throw you out by a mile. Yeah. I said, what, <laughs> yep, that's what, what third happened? Does. What happened to all the girls here that were so kind to me a couple nope. of minutes ago? Chrissy, can we, can we in this segment, I wanted to talk a little bit about when you decided to come out and, 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 and talk about what had happened to you as a Miami Dolphin cheerleader and some of the things you were going through, I want to know two questions. One, were you on your own at that point? Did you feel like you were out on an island by yourself? Mm-hmm. And two, what was, the, what was the, the feedback for you? I know in the circles I run, we're really proud of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, people like here— at my church, we're yeah. like, did you hear about her? What a, what a brave woman that is. Aww. And I'm wondering for you, when you made that decision, if you felt lonely, if you felt like you were out uh, by yourself, mm-hmm. and what the, the feedback was. Right. Well, I will say this. It it wasn't my decision to go public. It was a just Holy Spirit-led moment of just learning my past um, decisions of not being obedient to the Lord and then having him truly lead me into this walk of finding the courage to just do it scared anyway and breaking the silence and not speaking for me, but speaking for her and the other cheerleaders that have been fearful to speak up in the past. And he gave me Esther 414, which, as you know, is as just a time as this, you know, who's to say that you weren't born for this to break the silence and to speak up. And so I just felt really led that this was the time. And I called my lawyer, Sarah Blackwell. She's amazing. And I said, under one condition, I will come forward with this story. And that is, it has to be out of love. It has to be out of forgiveness. And it absolutely cannot be about money. And that is why we made the decision to settle for $1 um, under the terms that we could meet with Roger Goodell and talk about the culture of NFL cheerleading and how it needs it needs to change. And the way that we're being treated is totally unacceptable. Now, look, I, I need our listeners to understand what you just said, yeah. because I look, I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But the, the you did this and the settlement was $1. But I need we need a face to face with Roger Goodell to say, look, here's what's going on in the world we live in. Was he? What, how did that go, by the way? Oh, it didn't happen. <laughs> it never happened. No. He said no. no. Yeah, it didn't happen. Um, it, it was never about money. It was about change. And what I'm hearing as a feedback bounce is that the NFL doesn't want to change. And if they are going to change, it's going to be under their terms and that the credit will not be given to any other else. And if you are one of the cheerleaders that speak out about a positive change, you are now the enemy. And the cheerleaders are programmed to hate you, to not support you, to look the other cheek. And so a thank you. I never did it to reap the benefits. I knew that I wouldn't get a thank you. I knew that I would never be able to be a cheerleader again, but it wasn't about me. It was always about them and about, and I like to say this line, is that I was never fighting against the NFL. I am fighting for the women in the NFL, and there's a difference. I'm not wanting to ban cheerleaders. That's arrogant. It's not about ignoring the problem. It's just about owning up and taking accountability for our mistakes so history can stop repeating itself. How how many, um, and and look, I'm, and and I've talked about my age enough here on this show, but (laughs) guys my age, that 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 all you know the, the closest that they've ever been to a court or to a field is on their couch 
How many of those guys do you think go, oh, give me a break. That's, you know, cheerleaders, please. It's so easy to dismiss what you don't understand. Um, you know, if a football player spoke out, we they have all the support. Oh, you look, know. look, Tim Tebow came out and said, you know what? Yeah. I, I, I am uh, Jesus Christ, my personal savior. I am a virgin. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold out until I get married. And people celebrate. Well, that's the double standard. It's gender discrimination. How can a man in a football uniform give glory to God and have the freedom and the rights that our American flag is waving, but yet me as a woman and a cheerleader, I am forced to remain silent because I am completely replaceable. And so, and, it, and you were told that, right? I, I mean, was told that I was I, there to be seen and not heard. Yeah. And the yeah. articles that I read, it's really. I mean, you're injured. You either man up and, and continue mm-hmm. or move off and we'll put somebody else but in. But poor Ryan Tannehill sprains his ankle and the poor oh. kid's out for a month, you know? And right. I'm just like, I'm dancing on broken bones. And, and when he comes back, he's right back in, in the starting lineup mm-hmm. ready to go. Right. Not not pushed to the back of the, no. of the practice squad. <laughs> and, you get, and you get injured. They go, look, here's the deal. You either dance and dance right. and, and, and be a cheerleader mm-hmm. as good as you were last week. Or I've got somebody in the weight who's... Just another pretty face. And that's what it is. It's an organization that cares more about the brand than the people who are wearing and representing the brand. And that was that was a part of my testimony, you know? Like, they told me that I was only special in the uniform. And that this was the only moment in my life that I could ever have a platform to make a difference. And so, me turning in that uniform was so heavy for me because it was the moment that I was trading this performance of perfection for the promise. Right. And the promise is my true identity in Christ. And that's what I, that's what, that's the message that I want to spread. And Sarah Blackwell, my goodness, she is brilliant. She's a brilliant lawyer. So understanding. I was, it was a godsend when I met that woman. Um, but personally for me, as great as a defender as Sarah Blackwell was, I knew that my greatest defender was Jesus Christ. And Amen. that is the reason why my lawsuit, I decided to drop it, that my lawsuit will not be fought in the courtrooms. And I have to trust that he's not finished yet and that he has a plan beyond the courtrooms. Well, and you, you will not know until you get to heaven the amount right. of people that you touch that sat back and said, Okay, my daughter is not going to go through what she went through. Mm, yeah. My, you know what? I'm not going to go through. My sister's not going to go through what she did. Um, that's awesome, guys. Let's get through a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue. I want to talk a little bit more about the handbook and uh, and that show if we can. I know it's too late to see it, but eventually, hopefully, um, you're going to be able to see that show. Uh, Christine Ann Ware, she's, again, former Miami Dolphin cheerleader. What are you doing now, by the way? Um, I am working on a book. I think God's having an incredible plan of turning pain into purpose, but I'm also working with at-risk children in a wilderness therapy program out in North Carolina. Yeah, she's got a servant leadership heart, and you know that by listening to the show. Also, uh, Neil Sharnick, he is Associate Professor of Theater, Director of Honors Program at Carthage University, and a Grafton boy, which I always <laughs> like. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back. 
back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Mike McGovern again, flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner should be back next week. Our special in-studio guest has been really fun for me. Uh, they got great stories, I, I have to tell you. Uh, Neil Sharnick uh, from Carthage University, Associate Professor of Theater, and Kristen Ann Ware is a former Miami Dolphin cheerleader, where she's probably known best. But I'll tell you, the Lord's given her a great platform to, to certainly talk about her her faith and her strength in, in Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. And, uh, you know, it has not been an easy platform for her. She's had to be uh, have a lot of courage, and, and thank goodness that she is a, a military brat because <laughs> I think that they have more courage than, than most, I have to be honest. Neil, I wanted to talk just a little bit more about the handbook and, and sure. the world premiere that happened. But by the time this airs, it had been a couple of week weekends ago. Um, putting that together with Laura and, and, and being able to, to tell this story, um, there, there doesn't seem to be anything that you would change from what this, this message has been. No, it's really been exciting, and the response was tremendous. Um, we were able, the first weekend, um, Bailey Davis, who was uh, also had Sarah Blackwell as an attorney, the former New Orleans Sensations cheerleader um, who, who sued for gender discrimination, she was there opening night to talk with the audience to see the show. Uh, Erica Wilkins, former Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, who sued for wage theft and, and, um, and, and settled that as well. Um, the, both of these women were here. We also were able to welcome, uh, and they're both characters in the play. I mean, they're characters in the play based on both of their stories and their lives, just like Kristen Ann's. Uh, but also visiting uh, Lauren Harrington, who's local news because she's the one woman who's brought a class action suit against the NBA, former uh, Bucks dancer. Yep. Uh, she she was able to attend on Sunday the first weekend and talk to audiences and respond to the show. And it has just been so uh, rewarding and exciting uh, and impactful to have Carthage Theater become a hub for this conversation, right? Because so many of these women are fighting alone, fighting in isolation. You know, and Erica and Bailey, they're both fighting this fight, but they never met each other till they came to Boy, Carthage that, to do it. That was going to be my question for you guys. Is this like a support group at this point for you guys? Or is it's there like not, therapy. It's like a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of group it therapy. Is. But did, do you know these other girls or had you known them prior to this? So cheerleading is a very weird and interesting dynamic. You know, we are programmed to to not support one another. We are programmed to get to the top, whatever it takes. And so you do face this hard process of trying to stay true to yourself um, while you're on a team and trying to form friendships or meet women that you can trust. There's a whole realm of misogamy, right? And you understand that as a basketball coach, my my number one goal is to get these guys to know each other. Mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah. That's how you develop a team from the inside out, right? You guys get to know each other. You you you, you form a love for each other. But, and but so cheerleading want- doesn't want a team. They want robots. In the NFL, they, they want robots who are puppets to do exactly what they're told and be good little girls and be quiet and never use your voice and never stand up and never have an opinion and only say yes ma'am like we are programming these women and brainwashing them and gaslighting them that that your voice is not valuable and that you cannot make a change in this world because you are a woman so boy when you look back at um maybe the first year when you were a dolphin cheerleader Mm -hmm. Do you shake your head and think, man, what was I thinking? No. You don't? I don't. And the reason is because I, and I, I'm I'm so quick with that because I've been challenged before about somebody saying that I was not a child of God and how could I ever call myself a child of God because I was an NFL cheerleader oh. and they're so quick to tell me that 
my greatest sin in my life was being an NFL cheerleader. And I said, no, 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 no. That is the best decision I ever made because it is the one that led me to Christ. And it is the one that fully, I took my true step of faith um, when I turned in that uniform. And had I listened to my parents and had I not gone through that, I would not be the Christ follower I am today with a voice. And if you were still a cheerleader, you could not come on a show like this. This would, this would, uh, they right. would, you'd get fired immediately when this thing got public. Yeah. I, I just, the courage that you've shown mm-hmm. and, and when that book gets finished, please yeah. come back on because I've got about 50 more questions mm-hmm. um, to of ask course. you about this. I, I really do. And the more we talk, the more um, questions that, that I have, but your courage and the platform that the Lord has given you and the fact that you're willing to accept that platform, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of you. Aww. You know, I'm proud of you, and, and I know that your parents are really proud of, of the woman that, that you've become. And, and I, I love the, the answer. No. Yeah. I, you know what? I did not think that, and nor do I think it now, because that that is the whole part of this journey of who I am today. Keep mm-hmm. up the good work. Oh, thank Keep you. up the good good work. And and again, the amount of, of people that you are touching with your story, young girls, uh, you will never know until you get to heaven how yeah. many people are going to come to you and say thank you. Thank you so much because I thought I was the only one yeah. so thank you neil it's really nice to meet you yeah, you, you tell oliver to keep throwing the ball straight no curveballs yet he's not that arm isn't developed <laughs> make right, sure we'll he goes him. to his left on the basketball court i don't know anything about volleyball <laughs> elbow <laughs> win shoot a free throw and let him know that when i went to st peter and paul parish we used to kill st eugene's all the time so. uh, not with ali on the team. No. yeah i mean i would have po- i'd still post out in the talking smack <laughs> guys thank you very much it's nice to meet both thank of you, you. Thank you. thanks for listening this is faith in the zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip for a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people of sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Was it really amazing grace? Now I know for certain, Lord, it was you that rescued me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.